Uh, hi, this is Jerome Gilmartin, JMJ Catholic Radio. Welcome to another program in the new series called In the Father's Hands with host Mary-Kate Grady. And Mary-Kate's guest for this program is Sarah Renkamp, a, par- a parishioner at St. John the Evangelist Parish in Honesdale, Pennsylvania, originally from Wisconsin, and a revert to the Catholic faith. Sarah is now a wife and stay-at-home mom of four girls, and she's been active as a co-leader in the Altus for Women Book Club, a ministry in the Diocese of Scranton. And Sarah is with Mary-Kate in Mary-Kate's home in Pleasant Mount right now. Mary-Kate? Um, hello there to everyone. <clears throat> again, my name is Mary Kate Grady, and thank you for joining us again for our program in the Father's Hands. And of course, as we, we always do, um, we remember that this is um, this program is based off of our reading from um, the Gospel of St. John. John 10, where Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And I just love doing, um, going over that reading each week um, to remember that no matter what's going on in the world, all the different stuff going on right now or going on in our lives, that we're always in the Father's hands. A lot of times things seem so out of control, but um, we're always in his hands. He, he always knows what's going on, and sometimes things aren't the way that they seem, but we can always trust that he's holding us. And um, today we're joined by, by my good friend, Sarah. <clears throat> Sarah, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome, Mary-Kate. I'm happy to be here. And so so good to have you, and we're going to kind of touch in and see how <clears throat> the Father has held you in his hands throughout your life. And if you wouldn't mind, we'll start, as we always do, by asking our guests what their favorite verse from the Bible is and why they love it so much? Well, you know that I have several. It was very hard to tear <laughs> it down to one. Um, and maybe as we talk, I'll bring in a couple of the other ones. Um, great. But yeah. the, I'm glad that um, I, I, I didn't, I, I love the, the title of your program, In the Father's Hand, and, and the, 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 the verse and really the story that I um that I, that I find myself coming back to a lot and was my favorite. I, have to, I should say my favorite right now because I think we all have experiences of different verses and different yeah. stories speaking to us at different moments Definitely, in our lives. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a beautiful example of an early patriarch being in the Father's hands. And um, so my favorite story in the Old Testament, especially particularly in, the, in Genesis, is the story of Joseph and Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers and then acting as this, beautiful prefigurement of Jesus in the way that he was sold, the way that he um, saved, but then went and saved his people, mm-hmm. and the Egyptian people, really, so yeah. the Jews and the Gentiles, yeah. um, from this, this horrible famine. And um, so, um, but what I, what I like is, um, in, if, you, if you get out, get out your Bible, and um, in uh, Genesis, in the Genesis chapter 46, so We've already had the episode where Joseph um, Joseph has revealed himself to his brothers as his their, their long not long lost long you know sold into slavery yeah. brother yeah. and um, and forgives them this beautiful act of forgiveness to his to his brothers 
And um, so we've gone through all that, but now he wants to see his father, and his father, Jacob, has been, has presumed, Joseph is presumed dead, that's what he's been told, is that Joseph was eaten by savage beasts, and he's no more, and they even, you know, they even uh, splashed his cloak, his beautiful coat, yeah. full, uh, full of wild beast blood. Yeah. So he's been mourning his son, his favorite, his, his, his wonderful son, and um, but now he hears that his son is actually alive, and he, his son is also conveniently enough has food so he is not going to die yeah. and um and then uh joseph asks to have jacob come to egypt where he can be um fed where he can be um we can see them again and and to move there but um but jacob has been put in canaan by by god this is his this is his land mm-hmm. and it must have been such I mean, and he kind of, like, Egypt is a pagan place, and he knows that they don't worship God there, and he knows that he's going into a world of trouble, and he's right, because, <laughs> but it's God who's asking him to do this. So, um, so I, I imagine that Jacob was just filled, like, he, he wants to see his son, and he wants to be God's will, but it must have been a very difficult thing to do, to, to basically go down into the eye of the storm and leave his land that God had given him and promised him. And not only promised him, but how promised generations after him. So what are, what are you doing, Lord? Like, this isn't uh, what, this isn't how I imagined this would go. But the chapter 46 begins. So Israel, Jacob, Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am, excuse me, here am I. And then God said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make there of you a great nation. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again, and Joseph's hands shall close your eyes. Mm. And on two, there, there are many levels that I love this. One is just, it's so beautiful that Jacob has this assurance from God himself that this son who he has mourned and loves is going to be the one. He's not going to. He's not going to outlive his son. His son is the one who's going to close his eyes. Like His son will be there at at the moment of his death, and indeed he is. Um, So what a beautiful consolation that Jacob is given in that moment. Um, But also there's this, it says here in verse 4, 46 verse 4, I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again. And the you there is not necessarily Jacob himself. It's Israel. It's his nation. Because Jacob is not going Jacob's going to die in Egypt. Mm -hmm. And he probably knows that. And the fact that he's willing to let God, to be part of the suffering that God wants for his people. So, like... We're part of a much bigger story right. than just our individual stories. Like our individual stories are important mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. We are in the Father's hands, but we're part of something so much bigger. And I think it's a beautiful example and one that I return to a lot of someone who's being willing to be part of the suffering chapter of a story. Yeah, I'm willing to go into Egypt and to lead a people, like knowing the people after. I'm making a decision that's going to cause suffering. Like God's asking this, yeah. and God will not only give me the grace to deal with to, to to endure the suffering but he's going to give my children their children and we know like they're in egypt for like 400 years yeah. before and then they're oppressed by pharaoh and then there's this whole thing so it's, it's a long time so um 
so many years to hang on to that faith. Exactly. That God will be faithful, that he's with them. And not only his own, like, he's going to die, you know, within years of this. It's going to be his children, his children's children that have to hang on to their faith. And they do, you know, with, like, obviously missteps along the way, but that they are willing to let God be the center and the star of the show, and they are not driven by their egos. They're they're okay with being part of the chapter that's suffering and not necessarily the victorious chapter. And I think that I think about that all the time when I think about, you know, the, the, the world we live in and all kinds of stuff of, you know, why, I mean, I think it's a more of a Lord of the Ring reference when Frodo, Frodo's given the ring and he says, why does it have to come to me now? And Gandalf says, well, you know, we don't get to choose the times we live in, but we do get to choose essentially how we, how we live in them. And, um, so that's a long answer, but I love, I love that story. I love that moment. And I love the, um, the fortitude that it inspires in me to to be part of whatever part of the story that God wants, because like the story of salvation is not over, not until the end. And I, if this is right. the, the chapter that God wants me, then I can. There's a noble line of people who have been through, um, been in different stages, and, yeah. and um, it gives me the courage to say yes to wherever God has us. And that's like the beautiful thing about reading the Bible too. Is you read these other people's stories, but it's like our story too. Absolutely. Really. You know, it's not just like oh, these people that live in the past. It's like nope, we're seeing that um, relived out again and again, and in our own life. Absolutely. The story of Joseph. You know, like in our own life in different ways. And it makes any particular suffering. I mean, anything you you know you'll see on the news or any situation in your life not seem not that it's not important and not serious and we shouldn't answer the evils of the day or the right. challenges of the day we should but we should never imagine that we're the only like this is unprecedented yeah any yeah. of these things are unpre- like no they're not right they're absolutely mm-hmm. not we've been here before human and it should never surprise us we should never be scandalized by by the world because it, we're a fallen lot Right. And we should never imagine that we're any better because we're all a fallen lot. And right. God, by God, God in his mercy it, it redeems us and he saves us. And there's always, always, always grace to be had through any suffering, even if we deserve it, even if we're yeah. the reason for it. Yeah. So there's there's just a lot of hope there. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And so... So if you don't mind me asking, maybe we could talk a little bit about your story in the oh, light sure. of the story of, of Joseph and his journey. <laughs> Jacob. Yeah, or, I'm sorry, Jacob, yes, and Joseph. Um, but, uh, if you know, if you would share maybe a little bit about yourself, that would be great with our audience. Sure. So I was, um, I, like, uh, like Jerry said, I was um, born and I was raised in Wisconsin, in a little uh, Elkhorn, Wisconsin, little town in the southeast corner. Mm-hmm. Um I uh, was uh, baptized and had all my sacraments in the church, raised in a good Catholic family, um, went to Mass every Sunday, we sang in the, sang in the choir and, and everything, and, um, but it, like, pretty predictably, I fell away from my, um, like, a lot of my tears, I fell away from the face of my childhood in kind of high school, college years, and then... Um, and then the years after college, and found myself, I think when I was about 24, Okay. I think 24, 23, one of those years. How old am I now? Probably 24 or 25. Um, just very, very angry mm. without a really, a really deep understanding of why. Mm-hmm. Like I was, you know, trying, I had a job, I had friends, I had all the things that the world would tell you would make you happy. Yeah. But there was something missing. And I remember that, I was, you know, I was, I knew, I knew the sacraments. I knew 
I knew your basic catechism. Right. And, right. and but for years and years and years, whenever I would walk by a Catholic church, I wouldn't go in and I wouldn't go to mass, but I always looked on the billboard to see if they had confession times. I don't know. I mean, I know because I mean, I know why now. Like, there's this yeah. longing in my heart and like knowing that yeah. I'm like knowing that I need the Father's mercy and that longing yeah. for mercy. And I couldn't quite put a finger on it, but I would I would kind of like slyly, especially if I was if I was with friends, I would like slyly look on the board and say, Oh, okay, okay, they're still doing that. Oh, that's good. They still that's do nice. that. Oh, they still do that. Okay, well, if I ever need that, that's right. good to know that it's there. Yeah. But I was so I was always longing. I mean, and God was always pursuing me, and I was always, always for my whole life longing for Him and longing to be loved and longing for. For Jesus, my whole life, um, and in different in different ways, and and that came out. Those that longing came out sideways for a long time, but finally in 2011, okay. um, I returned. It was kind of a funny story. I um, basically had a minute, like the, I was from Wisconsin, so I was a big Packer fan, and I basically made a little deal with God that the Packers, if the Packers won the Super Bowl that year. I would go to mass. <laughs> <laughs> hey, God will take anything. He will. He'll take anything. Absolutely anything. So I said, okay. And I think, I mean, they had won the NFC championship at this point. So it was like, they were going to the Super Bowl. I was like, okay, well, if they win. Well, I mean, really what it was, at the beginning, it was like, I, w- I was so excited. And I wanted a way to unite my excitement to that, my Wisconsin brethren. Because I was, in, I was, I should say, I was living in D.C. at this point. Okay. I had okay. a job there. And so I was like, we won, and but there's no hordes of Packer fans around me to, to cheer with me. I mean, there's a couple, and maybe there's a Packer bar down the street, and that was fun, but that wasn't enough. Like, I was used to so many people, and I thought, okay, right. so how can I unite my excitement to that of my Wisconsin brethren? Like, I'm so, <laughs> how do I do this? And it just shows, like, even, you know, the little catechism I had, like, I'm like, maybe if I go to church, I could do that. <laughs> because Packer I'm like, I, well, no, it wasn't even that, Mary Kate. It was that, like, I knew that there would be people in Wisconsin who love the hackers who'd be going to Mass and they're going to hear the same readings that I'm reading right. so we'll be kind of part of the same thing and so if I go to Mass and they go to Mass then maybe we'll be like uniting ourselves I'm like uh, yeah duh that's like the body of Christ <laughs> that's great. so I never would have been able to say all that but that's what my heart was longing for so I went to Mass and, and I had not been to Mass uh, voluntarily for many many years and I, thought, I just kind of made this little prayer like if you if we win the Super Bowl maybe I'll consider going to church again yeah long story short they did win the super bowl and i was like shoot now i have to be good on this so i (laughs) i um i got in touch with a priest at the parish where i went to and he was just so good and gentle he i i asked to talk to him because i had a lot of intellectual um problems with the church i had a lot of ideas about what they thought or what they don't like what they thought or what they did that I, I was like, well, I don't agree with that. That's way, you know, middle ages, misogynistic, right, all right. that, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I went and met with this priest who was just so good and kind. And I went through my laundry list of objections and thought, Oh man, he's never going to be able to answer this. Look at me and my, all my yeah. wisdom from 24 years of <laughs> sex, drugs and rock and roll. And, um, and he just looked at me so kindly when I was done. He said, you know, all your questions have answers. And if you really want to know, we can do like we can do this. We can go through this and, yeah. and answer these questions. So he and then a, a bunch of other people who I started to meet through him, um, a good friend named Anne, um, a mutual friend of ours, Father James, like led me by the hand. And then God, I mean, the grace of God, kind of started to work through these people, and I started to pray and became came to come to back to the faith of my childhood. So that yeah. was um, 
That was in 2011. Okay. I met my husband in 2012, Anthony, and I, we got engaged in 13. We got married in 14. We welcomed our first daughter, Anna, in 2015. In 2016, we moved to Pennsylvania. In 2017, we welcomed our second daughter, Catherine. In 2018, we welcomed our third daughter, Helen. And I was talking with Anthony. I'm like, I guess in 2019, we took a break, sort of. <laughs> but not really, because then in 2020, we um, we welcomed our fourth daughter, Josephine. So, um, And I think... It, um uh, that for our diocese, that was the year of Saint Joseph. Right? Yes. So I know, I know that this is the year of Saint Joseph, but for the diocese of Scranton, that was the year of Saint Joseph. So yep. I think that's so cool. That Absolutely. Josephine. So. Yes. Yeah. So wow. It's, so it's it's really neat that the title of this program is in the Father's hands because I can definitely see in your story how you were in the Father's hands. Oh, every moment. And he was very creative with you. You know, with yeah. the Packers, and you know, I think that. I've talked to so many different people, and he just kind of uses – he knows us all so mm-hmm. uniquely and individually. He knows kind of how – if we're open a little bit, he knows how to get right in there. Yes. You know? Yes, he does. He's just – he – and it's one of those things that's hard to see in the moment. You know, yeah. you have that experience where oh, yeah. it's hard to see where he is in any particular moment, and you find yourself asking, hey, well, where are you? You're going through something or whatever it is. Where are you now? Yeah, and that's where like the eyes of faith are so important because now, like looking back, even just telling, talking to you about it, looking back, and I see how it was always, you know, he was always yeah. there and he was always drawing me to himself. And even so, it's like even at a moment, you know, earlier this afternoon when a kid is like crying on the floor and I'm trying to, you know, get something, get something made or get something done. It's like yeah. okay, well, I am in the father's hands even now. Like in, in mundane annoyances, I'm like big annoyances, big big yeah. things or big problems. Like God is always always there and always drawing us to himself and it's it's so good to look back on you know like reading scripture and seeing where he's been like these people in scripture and then reflecting on it in light of our own stories and how we're always in the father's hands Mm -hmm. and it's just never something we should doubt yeah and I, i think it is so important that's kind of one of the main reasons why I was hoping to do this program from the start was yeah. that I know for myself I need a lot of times to stop and look back and I see so much, mm-hmm. so, so many movements of God, which I didn't see it at the time, but mm-hmm. it builds my faith up so much now to look back and to realize that, you know. Yes. Um, and something I like to ask um, my guests always is, is there is there something in your life maybe like right now over the past couple of years that maybe you would have found like impossible or you just couldn't believe that you would ever do it and like it's happening now in your life and you just know that it's that it's because of God that you're doing that. Yeah, I think the whole life that I'm in now really, I, I didn't imagine myself being a stay at home mother and be I really didn't even imagine myself being married. I don't I don't I don't know I guess I assumed I would work. I would assume I'd be in a career, which is all like very good. And I like you know, I still yeah. do some work now from my home. Sure. But I didn't imagine having a family or a big family, and I didn't really imagine being married. It just didn't. It didn't occur to me. I, yeah. I, I grew up in a in a very loving home, and my mom and dad are together, and they remain together. And I, I was just telling them the other day that how I really appreciate their their example of faithful love. Yeah, because that, that's a that's a really rare thing, and my husband and I are are rare people in that both of our families, both of our parents are together, and they have, you know, the, and that that's that's a beautiful example for me. But I I guess when I was coming back into the faith and seeing my 
Teresa of Avila talks about, like, when you get closer to God, you start to notice your own sins. Like, and not in a, not in a, I don't mean that in a, in a, like, um, a guilty way, way. condemning way, necessarily. I just mean that you start to see yourself more clearly, and you start to, you don't get to have illusions about yourself if you're trying, if you're being really honest with God. And that's a very, and then for a long, for a while, I thought, like, oh my goodness, like, who would ever love me? Yeah. Who could yeah. ever possibly want to be with me? Mm. Um, and it was really, it was very hard to think of myself as lovable mm. for a very long time. Mm. And even, and I mean, and I, and I realized like that was kind of a holdover from all the years of being away from God. It's like, I really did not believe that I was worthy of love. And I didn't really believe that like lasting love was possible for me. I could see right. it with other people, but not for me. And, um, and so moving into my vocation and meeting my husband when I did, the way that I did, and it, it started to, I didn't think it was possible to fully give myself to someone in that way. Mm. And I didn't think that it would be impossible to love people well enough that they, like, in a way that they, that they need, like, my husband, my, any children we would have. Um, and really let it go of control of my life in the yeah, way that I yeah. that I realized, I became to realize that marriage asks of you. Of saying, like, it's not just you anymore, and you don't get to just call the shots. And also, it's not like you just have to consult with your husband. Like, God is going to ask things of you. Yeah. Um, you don't, and, and it, I, that was, it came with a lot of fear mm-hmm. and a lot of just uncertainty that I was up for this task. And, um, but slowly... I've come to realize that I I was absolutely right. I'm not up to this task. Yeah. But the great news <laughs> is that I'm in the Father's hands, and I think that was that was just the key. What I mean, I, and I, I say this as I have it figured out. I don't at all. But that is revealing itself more as the key to being able to live this life that I really didn't think was possible to live happily, given right. my given my miserableness. Yeah. And, um, that the father really will provide for everything. I was and I was talking about your questions with, with Anthony earlier, mm-hmm. and the, the one like little concrete story. I mean, with everything. I mean, and we've you know tried tried to be as open to children as as possible yeah. and all of that, and that's been working out pretty well for us. Um, but there's always that question in the back of your mind, like, are we going to be able to provide for like another baby? How are we going to do this? And I always hear whenever I have my four girls out, we're going to have to pay for weddings at some point. Like, I know, I guess we'll just have to cross that bridge when we come to it. But, right, um, right. but there's little things like there was this great, this is a couple of weeks. So we talked about it was the year of St. Joseph. And I guess back in April, I, we had this little dining room table and it was, um, yeah, it's fine. It works for us now. But I realized I'm looking at it and I was like, you know, we are going to run out of space on this table like pretty soon. Um, you know, kids are going to grow. And even with what we have now, even if we didn't have any more children, we're going to run out of space. And um, I thought, you know, it would be really nice if we had, I mean, it would be really nice if we had a bigger dining room table. And um, it's a little thing. You know, it's not a, it's not a big right, deal. Right. Like we could go out. We could probably go out and, like, save and get a dining room table. But I was, but we were, it was the year of St. Joseph. We were doing a consecration to St. Joseph at the time, you and me and Kate and yeah, friends. Right. And I thought, well, maybe Joseph was a carpenter. And his whole name is he will increase. So, like, St. Joseph, would you increase the size of my dining room table? <laughs> and I had a very specific idea in mind. Like, I wanted, like, a farm table that had benches instead of chairs. Like, lots of kids could sit on it. So I just kind of 
pray, I asked him and forgot about it. And then a couple of weeks later, I was talking about a table, like wanting to get a bigger dining room table to a friend of ours who was also in the Take Out Joseph Consecration. And this woman who is like so funny and from Philly and very, yes. like, and very, a very beautiful personality. She says, I have one. I have one for you. I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, I have one. It's sitting in storage. My father made it. We, he, we, we had eight kids in our house. He made this table for the eight kids and it has benches. And it's this fun thing, and I'm just like, and I, I didn't describe any of what I was looking for to her, but right. she literally describes exactly what I have in my mind. She says, it's sitting in my, in my garage. It's just sitting there. I'll, I'll take it. I'll send pictures of it to you. If you want it, you can have it. I was like, oh, my goodness. Are you wow. serious? So she sent me these pictures, and I looked at it. I was like, this is literally exactly what I'm looking for. But here's the other thing. Like, we don't have a truck. She goes, great, great. So I'll bring it to you. Like, wow. you're not only going to give me the table, you're going to actually, like, pull up in my driveway and give it to me. It was just, and it's, I mean, at the end of the day, is it, was, will we start with that table? And like, no, but it was just such a cool, beautiful thing of God being like, here, I'll, yeah, sure. I love you. I'm going to give I you love you. I'm going to make you happy. I'm going to take care of even the things that aren't essential. Like he does take care of all the essential things, yeah. but he's like, even the things that aren't essential, I'm going to take care of this for you. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's awesome. And he's just dying to do that, you know? Yeah. So that's wonderful. Well, you know what? It's it's funny, Sarah. Time time flies. They they say when you're having fun, but and having a good conversation. Uh, we're we're going to be wrapping up our program here in just a couple minutes. Okay. Um, but just to close out, I just want to thank you so much for um, joining me on the program today. And I'm so happy that you moved to Pennsylvania. Oh, I know. I know you. I know. No, I know you. It's really fun. <laughs> and which is awesome and wonderful. And um, and you know, just just to close out here, um, real quick, um, would you? Um, maybe just give us real quick uh, a prayer or um, maybe a book or something spiritual you're doing right now that's like pretty important in your life. You might just want to suggest for someone else to read or pray. Absolutely. So we are, my husband and I are going through the uh, Bible in a year right now. Okay. And that's, okay. that's a really, that's been incredibly powerful for our marriage. So that's, it, I think it's, it's happening through, it's a podcast put on okay. by, uh, by Ascension Press. And okay. it's run by Father Mike Schmitz. And anyway, I if anybody ever wanted to go through the Bible in a year, I did read the Bible, like cover, you know, cover to cover. Right. I would rec- definitely do it. I know there's lots of different ways of going about it, but that one has been so powerful and really good for us. So we we really um, enjoy it. Also, um, go to mass and yes, you know, go to confession, right, Sarah? Go to confession and go to mass and, and like and just like confession. praying, just praying every day. Like yeah. we just try to in the morning to pray every day, and that's. Then, even when it doesn't feel like it's doing anything, it's really been a huge blessing in our marriage and in our lives. Wonderful. Let's close out with a Hail Mary, if okay. you would join me. Okay. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Hail, Hail Mary, Mary full, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. And uh, just so you all know, I look forward to joining you again. And if you're ever up um, in the Honesdale area, or go to St. Mary's or St. John the Evangelist, you just might see Sarah and Anthony there with their four girls. (laughs) And now you know who they are because you heard them on the radio. So... Um, but you know, hey, come say hi. Come say hi. <laughs> We'd love to have you come up to our parishes um, up here in the northeastern, northern part of the diocese. So thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, God bless you all, and have a good rest of your week.